Welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets Podcast. It's Wednesday, the 18th of October, and my name is Michael Rauber. Now it is complex times as geopolitics, economic data, and earnings releases are all leaving their mark on financial markets. On today's shows, we will bring you the latest market-moving news with my colleague Roman Canziani. And when it comes to the bond market, both fiscal and monetary policy have a big push effect on bond yields. We have Dario Messi with us today to put it all into context for us. So let's get going and kick things off with a roundup of the market news. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Mike. Well, I think it's worth stating the obvious to start this morning's market wrap. Volatility in both fixed income and equity markets has risen sharply in recent weeks. And indeed, markets are having to balance several inputs at once, a rise in geopolitical tensions, robust U.S. economic data, a slump in Europe and some stabilization in China, and a U.S. earnings season that has kicked off with several companies reporting better than expected results. Now, I guess we need to start somewhere, Roman, and let's do so with another set of robust U.S. economic data reported yesterday, shall we? Yes, indeed. Markets got surprised by a robust set of retail sales data from the U.S. Uh, and the manufacturing sector also seems to be on a better footing there. Overall, retail sales came in at plus 0.7%, much better than the plus 0.3% expected. And the previous month's data was also revised higher. Uh, and also manufacturing production data came in at plus 0.4% month to month versus expectation of no growth at all. These broadly positive data had a major impact on fixed income markets, where rates jumped on the news. US 10-year yields rose by around 13 basis points to trade at 4.84 this morning, and two-year yields by around 11 basis points to a 17-year high at 5.19 this morning. Those robust economic data also prompted several economists at leading Wall Street banks to raise their estimates for US growth in the third quarter. And according to the swaps market, the probability of another rate hike over the winter month is now back above 60%. It's also the geopolitical situation that I mentioned before, which influenced rate markets yesterday, or not? Well, absolutely. The announcement that uh, US President Joe Biden lands in Israel today to show support for the country's closest ally in the Middle East was also interpreted as a sign that the US has a strong interest in trying to find diplomatic ways to contain the Israel-Hamas conflict, uh, a task which remains cumbersome as tensions in the region rise further overnight with uh, bombs falling on a hospital in the Gaza Strip. But overall, uh, in trading yesterday, US Treasury lost some of their safe haven appeal uh, and uh, yields were already on the rise when the retail sales figures I commented on before hit the markets. So yesterday's news flow was a bit of a double whammy for the US Treasury market. Let's turn to the equity markets then. European stock markets paired earlier losses to close almost flat with consumer and retail stocks rising and telecoms and construction companies uh, dropping. The notable exception was the Swiss market, which closed down almost 0.7%. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, while the uh, Swiss heavyweights uh, like uh, Nestle, Novartis and Roche were 
all nearly unchanged, just as the rest of Europe overall. It was some of the smaller companies of the index which dragged the index down, and uh, there's specifically Lonza, uh, a manufacturer of medical treatments, which was down more than 16% on a profit warning following the end of a manufacturing agreement with Moderna. However, in the US, after dipping at the beginning of the trading day, US stocks found a bid on a series of good earnings results, among them Johnson & Johnson, which raised its revenue outlook, and Bank of America, whose traders reported their best third quarter results in at least a decade. So the S&P 500 index closed the day almost unchanged, although beneath the surface, volatility was pretty high. Materials, energy and financials outperformed, all up by close to 1%, and tech and real estate were the laggards down close to 1%. What is really interesting, though, is that the broader small cap index, Russell 2K, was up again by 1.1%, a surprising move when thinking about the fact that higher rates tend to badly affect smaller companies. Interesting. Uh, in fact, the Russell 2000 is now up sharply two days in a row. Turning over to Asia, what's been going on there overnight? Well, yes. Uh, well, let's start with golden oil, both uh, spiking after the news about the bombing of a hospital in Gaza uh, broke. Uh, so gold is back up at 1,940 US dollars per ounce this morning. And Brent oil is also 2% higher, around $91.50. Uh, probably the bombing is also the reason why most Asian markets are trading slightly in the red this morning. Despite China reporting better than expected third quarter GDP numbers uh, at 4.9% uh, versus the expected 4.5%. Meanwhile, 10-year government bonds yields in Japan are on a decade high this morning at around 80 basis points. I mean, uh, increased speculation that the country is really getting closer now to end its negative interest rate policy. And what's in store, Roman, for investors today then? Well, the Tensions in the Middle East will keep markets very busy today, of course, uh, with all eyes glued to, the, uh, to President Joe Biden's visit in Israel. Data-wise, uh, we already received inflation data for September out of the UK, coming in at plus 0.5% month-on-month, just as expected, but with the underlying data showing that the fight against inflation will probably drag on further in the UK. And in the afternoon, there is fresh housing data expected uh, from the US. Uh, for now, US equity futures uh, point to a slightly negative open in the US this afternoon. That's it from me. Great. Thank you, Roman, for this super interesting roundup this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Now I welcome Dario to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for being uh, here with us. I saw that you participated in the latest Julius Bear Beyond Markets podcast available on the major podcast providers. It was published just this morning and it is on the topic of Swiss assets. So I guess a topic very close to the, our heart here at Julius Bear. Yes, exactly. I, I sit together with my colleague from Equity Strategy, Mathieu, and uh, discussed why uh, Swiss assets are attractive and why they have their place in a financial portfolio, basically. And as you know, Dario, Roman Canziani, who we just heard giving the market wrap, was the host in the German version of the podcast on our Marktanalysen Ungespräche channel. So without giving away too much, uh, what is the main message? Why uh, do we think Swiss assets are attractive? Well, there are uh, many aspects here. Uh, definitely the capability of innovation is, is a key. 
if we learned anything in the past, then that the economists being able to adopt and to, to innovate have an edge, which has positive effects in many ways. And then, well, there is this supportive environment. Uh, we talk about political stability, strength in governance, and, and also the consequent in, in financial stability, just to mention a few. And, well, probably also just as a consequence of what I just mentioned, but also very important for investors, is, is the Swiss franc. The Swiss franc has a very stable and strong currency. Interesting. Nice characteristics to have in a turbulent world, one could say. But back to what is moving markets right now and to your usual weekly update. When it comes to bonds, we recently discussed the fiscal situation and what it means for bonds. But naturally, monetary policy is still very important as well. And we are slowly but surely approaching, again, big central bank meeting, starting with the ECB next week. Anything we can see already? Yes, you're right. Fiscal policy is still key, but the important central bank uh, meetings are approaching as well and uh, will also turn into focus over the next uh, couple of weeks. And yeah, what is quite interesting is how we moved away uh, from, from this notion of total data dependence. Um, remember the last month, uh, we discussed it a lot also in this forum, how little guidance we, we get from central bankers and, and that it's really up uh, for the upcoming data to decide where we are heading. Um, so what we basically uh, only had things back then like inflation prints, economic activity, credit dynamics, um, or also just recently these labor market signals that we had. Um, we have to say this changed again a bit, at least for now. Uh, we get much more of central bank communication of some sort of guidance on, on what they intend to do. Um, in the case of the Fed, we had several officials uh, stressing out how the financial condition tightening coming from the increase in, in long-term yields is basically doing the Fed's job, um, basically also saying we are done for the time being. Um, similar also for the ECB, comments from, from officials here and, and the, also the, the, the minutes of the September meeting even uh, revealed that current policy rates are well in the range, um, which is seen as adequate, as uh, sufficient to bring inflation back uh, to target. And, well, the last hike was even kind of a risk management exercise, according to this minute. So all in all, we, we get more guidance that we are probably used to in the last couple of months. Does that mean incoming data is not as important anymore as in prior market cycles? Not fully or not really, I would say. We, we obviously still need the fundamentals playing along as well, uh, especially for policy meetings after the immediate ones. So how fast the, the disinflation process continues will ultimately also decide then if we need any further tightening or at some point then also when it comes uh, the time to move out of this restrictive territory. And when we talk about these fundamentals, we are still convinced that uh, disinflation is progressing. Uh, the labor market is showing signs of rebalancing and also the, the global economy should cool off further. So in other words, we still have in our books that uh, we, we saw all the necessary interest rate hikes for this cycle at least. Okay, interesting. Thanks a lot uh, for your comments. I'm sure we will discuss the ECB in more details next week when ECB President Christine Lajard and her team updates on their policy. 
Uh, so we say thank you, Daria, for sharing your thoughts with us this morning. Thanks, Mike, for having me. And that already brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you again to my two guests and especially to you for tuning in. Now, if you enjoyed today's show, please do subscribe and leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. Do join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back and it will be her turn to talk to more of my colleagues on what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.